All right, everybody, welcome back to Ducks and Pucks. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with Eddie Jones. We're going to be reviewing the uh, last couple of games the Ducks played um, uh, against Buffalo, uh, Philadelphia, and the Wild. We're also going to do some um, injury news, um, some uh, updates about uh, what's going on at the Honda Center, and uh, we're also going to have some guests on to talk about some of the games. So getting started here, we got the first uh, game, Eddie, and Buffalo. The Ducks ended up winning 5-1, to one, pretty much dominated that game, um, and the shot column and the goal column. Yeah, I don't think it was a surprise either. Uh, you know, it's it's Buffalo. Uh, it's going to be a, that's basically how Buffalo's season is going to go. Uh, but it was nice to see us come out and, and just completely dominate a game um, and get rewarded with a with a pretty big win. Um, it was cool to see uh, Carlson get on and get his first goal, and he ended up on another one too. So it was a big game from him. Uh, and Perry and Kessler also got on the board too. Perry continued his hot start. So, um, you know, these games are always nice to get in the schedule. Um, you know, sort of a guaranteed win, and um, it was it was good that we actually dominated the game. You know, it was kind of amazing too. Is uh, in the beginning of the first period, the Ducks came out and had a lot of opportunities, and uh, seemed like you know it was going to end zero-zero uh, because we even had several power plays and we didn't score. And then finally, uh, Perry broke through uh, at 15.30 of the first period to kind of get the Ducks going. And then uh, it seemed like even though we won the game and we played well, um, it was really the third period where we kind of laid it on. The um, icing on the cake there was the uh, penalty shot, which uh, was Kessler's first, which, uh, I mean, he just really sniped that one in behind the net, uh, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, like you said, that was the icing on the cake. But – um, it looked over really after the first period, didn't it? You know, we even though we we're only up one nothing, we saw them to seventeen to three, and that kind of set the tone for the for the rest of the game. Um, Buffalo really just looked like they had, they had no answer for for anything that we were doing, and and that showed with the final scoreline. Even though they ended up you know putting one in, but um, uh, it, it was a it was an exciting game to watch, even even with um. With the you know the lopsided score line, it's always it's always fun to get some of those games in there, and um, you know some people were thinking it could be like the nine to one uh, Vancouver win last year. It wouldn't be as uh, satisfying as that one, but you know since it's Buffalo, but it's always nice to to get one of these kind of games early in the season and and get us you know on the right track. Yeah, and you know Eddie, we're going to be playing uh, Buffalo again on this uh, upcoming uh, homestand too as well, so. You know, it's another one that the Ducks should look to take uh, control of and uh, play well on. Yeah, and and we can't come in it and just uh, you know think that we're gonna easily win it again. Uh, there's upsets happen all the time, so I, you know we can't come in and be like, oh, we we dominated them last time. We can you know take the take our foot off the gas this time. Uh, we got to come out and do exactly the same thing. Uh, we dominated in almost every facet of the game. You know, shots, faceoffs. Um, it, it, we just you know, the power play wasn't as good, but it didn't really have to be that game. Um, and, and you know we rolled all of our lines, and, and you know everybody got involved. So uh, if we can continue to do the same thing we did that game, uh, I don't see any reason why we can't win uh, next time when the Sabers come to Anaheim. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even uh, you look at Anderson; he only faced twelve shots that game. You know, and he uh, with uh, that kind of. Uh, lack of work I guess you could say uh you know he was able to go in the next game too against Philly so um it was definitely a good win all around for the Ducks um and you know they didn't really uh come out of it with any kind of injuries or anything like that and um uh, just a great win for the Ducks 
Yeah, I know. If we had to pick a, a standout performer from that game, um, I think that nobody would disagree that it was it was going to be William Carlson uh, potting his first uh, National Hockey League goal and and grabbing his second one as well in the same game. Uh, just a you know a good all around effort from a guy. Um, he was fighting with a job for Raquel, and and this is probably the, you know the game where he where he just won that job completely. It looks like he's going to be around for a while and. And and he's looked good so far. He hasn't looked, you know, stellar, but you know, he he he's looked uh, like at home on that third line. So it'll be uh be nice to see him uh, slot in on a permanent role for the rest of the season. Yeah, even with the injuries, Eddie, uh, I think Carlson or Wild Bill, as everybody's calling him, is definitely going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be out there uh, doing some damage. I mean, uh, he's got a great shot. I mean, especially that first goal. I mean. Uh, that was just right under the crossbar in the net. It was a beauty. So I expect the fans to uh, see some more quick wristers uh, that are going to land in the back of the net. Yeah, and I, I was pretty surprised that he could shoot. Uh, I, I hadn't seen much of his game, but you know, he was shooting all over the place. I believe he ended up with six shots, and um, it, it was it was pretty surprising to see that. And his uh, his second goal showed you know his his uh, quality hand eye. He has batted out of midair. Corey Perry like so it'll be uh it'll be, hopefully he'll be able to keep up you know a decent amount of form and, and finish with around 20 30 points by the end of the season and, and continue on after that yeah I think he's gonna do pretty well this year I think that's an accurate statement about his points and uh you know m- moving along with our uh, guests we have a person coming on here that we're gonna talk to uh get some you know perspective on the Buffalo side Eddie yep uh, we we're gonna have uh, uh, Jacob Strozak on. Uh, he's a, a writer for Saber Noise. Um, so we'll just move along to the interview. All right, everybody. We got Jacob Strozak from Saber Noise here to come on and review the uh, Buffalo Sabers game with us. Uh, how you doing today, Jacob? I'm doing good. It's a pretty good day for me. All right. So the Ducks played the Sabers a little bit earlier this week. Uh, ended up getting a pretty dominating five to one win. Uh, from a Sabres perspective, uh, how would you rate the game um, from your view? From my view, it was not the best Sabres performance in the history of the world, considering <laughs> they maxed out at 12 shots. It was a pretty disappointing loss. But considering how the season went last year, it really wasn't that surprising to see, especially how good the Ducks are this year. Yeah, would there be, you know, was there anything you, you thought that they did? wrong like specifically that led to the loss or was just a combination of every possible thing that could go wrong that that happened in this game um it really was a combination of a lot of things that that went wrong for instance the fact that you take a penalty within the first 20 seconds of the game i'm sitting (laughs) in my seat thinking oh god here we go (laughs) so that wasn't a good start, so too many penalties. The fact that you can't keep the puck out of your own end. The Ducks were kept swarming around in there. You give up a penalty shot to Ryan Kessler, probably one of the worst guys you're going to give a penalty shot to on that team. So there's just a lot of things that went wrong. And the way that Ted Nolan put it at the end of the game in his press conference, it was like a professional team playing a peewee team. I would say that's a pretty accurate description of what happened. <laughs> Yeah, and do you think uh, you know? Um, I think Buffalo ended up getting their first one of the season. Do you do you think it's going to be better than last season, or are you expecting pretty much uh, much of the same from what happened last year? Unfortunately, I am expecting uh, some some of the 
same things as last year, but I'm not expecting 21 wins. Dear God, that was absolutely atrocious. But, um, yeah, it's not going to be one of the best winning seasons for Buffalo. I'd say maximum they're going to hit around 30, maybe 33 wins if they can really pull together in this uh, and the new players that they brought in can really step up, which they really haven't so far. So it's really down to what the team can do and down to what uh, the coach can get out of these younger guys because that's really who's going to pull out the wins in the long run. Yeah, and uh, and Tyler Ennis was the, the lone scorer for, for the Sabres in this game. Do you think most of the pressure to score the goals this season is going to be on his shoulders, or do you think you know Matt Molson and a couple other guys, uh, Hodgson, are going to have to help him out in, in the scoring category? Oh, he's definitely going to need some help in that scoring category. He may have uh, won the Sabres goal-scoring title with 21 last year, but I think it's going to come down to that entire top line of Stafford, Ennis, Molson. Um, those guys are paid to score, and when they're not scoring goals, it's a pretty rough day in Buffalo. But no, I don't think Ennis is going to be the lone guy to be looked to for scoring. I would say Molson should be that guy, considering he's wearing 26. He's supposed to be Thomas Vanek in town, so he's supposed to be scoring goals, which he currently isn't. And uh, you know, speaking of some of the younger guys on the team, Sam Reinhardt's gone five games in this season. He has no points so far. Uh, have you liked what you've seen from him, or, or do you want him? You know, do you th- have you expected more from uh, from such a high draft pick? I did expect a little bit more, but I watched every single game very closely, and I especially watch him because he was the guy that I wanted the Sabers to pick. So I've been all over him as far as uh, how he plays, and. He's still every bit as good as he was in juniors, but that's the issue. He's still as good as he was in juniors. He hasn't made the jump to where he needs to be in the NHL yet. So I expect a little bit more. His compete is there. His skating ability, his intelligence is there, but he's just not big enough. He's not ready to play in the NHL yet. So I think that towards the end of his nine-game stint that – the Sabres might send him down, but they let him have this stint just so he can get the speed of the game. He can know what he has to do to improve so he can make the team and play with us full-time probably next year or the year after, depending on how well he works at it. But I think he has a lot, lot in him. He may not have scored a point, but he certainly is going to be a great contributor in the near future. I can just about guarantee that. Uh, yeah. So, what would you consider to be, you know, looking at the the Sabres lineup, the the main main area that they need to improve in? Is it is it goaltending with en, uh, Enroth and Norworth? Is it is it anywhere on the forward line getting some more depth or getting a star guy, or is it or is it on defense? You know, shoring up some of the, the defensive problems you guys have. Um. Yeah, there are a lot of defensive problems, but I really don't think the defense is the issue. I really still think that the offensive category is the issue. There's not enough guys scoring goals. There's not enough people shooting the puck. I find myself watching these games and shouting, shoot the puck at the TV. And I'm watching all these other people do the same thing. And even at games, you can hear the crowd shouting, shoot, shoot. So nobody's shooting, and that's the issue. That's why they're not scoring any goals. That's why you're not winning games. If you don't score goals against the worst team in the league, the Florida Panthers, like they did last night, it's that, that's kind of an issue. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and realistically, how close do you think 
the Sabres are to making a push for the playoffs. How many how many years away do you think? How many how many draft picks are are, are they from you know making a solid push uh, back towards the playoffs? I say around three, three, four max. Yeah, mainly because it's a uh, it's a matter of if we finish as low as everyone expects us to, we're getting top five picks for the next two years, and then maybe one year of kind of pushing towards the playoffs and just missing it, and then that'll motivate all of the players just that much more and be like, oh, we were so close, let's go and get it, and then the next year they'll push for it, and I think they'll make a legitimate playoff run, maybe second, third round in the playoffs would be nice. Yeah, so from the from the fan base, would would you guys rather have, you know, a, a close to 500-game season, like a 40-40 kind of season, or is it like a tank for, for McDavid kind of thing? Uh, like what 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 would the fan base rather you know see from uh, from their team this year? According to a lot of the fans that I talk to and all the chatter that I hear all over the place, it's just about a general consensus that we kind of want the tank. We kind of want to go towards Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel because those guys really are a pair of showstoppers. So if we can get one of those players, it'll certainly help the team in the. I would say near future, considering how good these guys are. I watch these guys a lot, and oh boy, that that it would be really nice to have them. From a personal perspective, I'm a I'm the kind of guy who looks towards let's make the playoffs this year, guys. But realistically, it's just not going to happen, and everybody is just about embrace the I, I guess you could say tanking mentality. Yeah, you know, with that uh, mentality, uh, do you think that the key might be for you guys this year is to experiment with the lines? you know, change it up and, and maybe see what line will work the best in some of these games. I mean, especially like a game like last night, you play Florida, you know, you don't get any goals through, you know, the whole game, but maybe say in a future game like that, maybe late in the second or third period, you know, Nolan changes up the lines and uh, tries to get something going. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, you could definitely switch up some of these lines. There's only, I'm pretty sure, two players from about five years ago, two two or three players from about five years ago that are still playing together. So you can experiment. Ted Nolan could experiment as much as he wants with these guys. They're all relatively new to uh, each other in the league. So switch it up. See who has chemistry. If the line doesn't work, then change it. If it works, then stick to it and let them play for maybe three, four games and let them develop some chemistry. If they're still not scoring, switch it up again. I totally agree with that. Switch up the lines as much as you can. Yeah, it would just seem like to me if if you guys worked on that at least, you know, I think that I mean, like you said, if they the fan base embraces that mentality of hey, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs, then I think going forward, at least the fan base wouldn't be too upset if hey, the coaching staff there is trying to make something out of whatever line pairing combination you can, because I mean, at least the effort is there to to make some improvements. Right. It's all about trying to find what works, and if something doesn't work this season, then. Well, we have an, all of next season to try it, too, and we'll even have more guys. You'll ha- you have another full draft. You have another set of free agents to go through, and it's completely encouraged, I would say, to try and shuffle up these lines. It'll only benefit the team as far as this season goes, and you don't really have anything to lose at all because if you lose, you win. You get right. Jack Eichel or Connor McDavid. If you win, then you're making a push towards the playoffs, and you shock – the entire hockey world and you make a fan base rethink about what they were initially thinking towards the beginning of the season. 
So it's still we're only five games into the season and we're one one and four. So there's still plenty of hockey to be played. A shocking thing can still happen. Exactly. And and you think say say later on, you know, we'll we'll probably have you on the podcast later on when uh you know, we obviously will play you guys uh next week. Um what do you think as far as going later on? Do you think the team will lean on uh Enroth going through? Uh say down the stretch, say if uh Buffalo's in that ninth or tenth spot fighting it out for eighth? I do. I do think that they're gonna ride on Enroth much more than they are on Neuverth, mainly because He's the guy who has actually showed that he wants this job, he wants the spot, and he wants to be here. He's had to sit behind Ryan Miller for the past bunch of seasons, and you could see it on his face during every single game that he played last year when he couldn't win. He's like, ah, I just can't stand this anymore. And he wanted that net. He wanted to be able to start and win games for the Sabres. And I do think he is the kind of caliber goalie that can help the Sabres win games. He is certainly good enough. He is talented enough. He's fast enough. I certainly think that he can be ridden a little bit more than Neuverth can because Neuverth just, I don't know. There's something about him that just doesn't seem like he wants to be here entirely. But we'll find out how that goes. Yeah, and we saw a bit of uh, Andre Makarov in, in preseason, and and you're looking at some of the younger guys that are in the system for for Buffalo, like Joel Armia and Jake McCabe, and you know even Mikhail Grigorenko. Do you see any of these guys making any you know significant strides to make the team either this year or next year, and, and making a big impact? As far as this year, the only couple guys that I could see making a legitimate stride towards the Sabers would be Mikhail Grigorenko, Jake McCabe. And maybe Joel Armia, if there's enough injuries and he can prove himself at the NHL level. Grigorenko, mainly because I've seen this kid play so many times. And his lackadaisical play in the past was just absolutely ridiculous. And that's why he uh, drew so much criticism from all the fans in Buffalo. But after seeing what he did during preseason and seeing him during training camp, and it was just absolutely incredible to see him fully change his mentality around. He wants to play, and he's willing to take a criticism. He doesn't have the, I hate to say it, the Russian mentality of I'm entitled to this spot and I'm incredibly awesome, so I should play in the NHL. He's finally humbled himself and said, I need to improve to be able to play on this team. And he certainly has done that, and I think he deserves a spot. Armia, he is 21 years old, and he's went through his dues. He's played in the Finnish League, and then he played in the AHL last year. He's starting the AHL this year, and if you watch some of his play this year, you can tell he wants to play with the big club. You know he wants to play with the big boys. So I would definitely see him making a push. As far as Andre Makarov goes, the kid is 21 years old, and he's proved he can play in the AHL. That's absolutely incredible. That's something that you can only dream of. So in the next two, maybe three years, I definitely see him playing up in the in a Buffalo Sabres uniform, whether he's starting or whether he's backing up Enroth if he's still here. I I definitely see Makarov playing in the next couple of years because that kid is absolutely incredible as far as his skill level and his vision goes. It is great to see him play. All right. Well, to to finish it off here, where do you realistically uh, picture Buffalo um, in the Eastern Conference at the end of the season? 
realistically, I still say around the bottom two. I think it'll be a battle for last place. I hate to say it for probably with the Florida Panthers at this point because neither team seems to be able to put together a good enough offense and can't hold it together enough defensively to save their goaltender all the time. So it'll be a battle for last place. So, 14, or so uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Jacob, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll, we'll hope to have you on uh, next uh, next week when we play uh, the Sabres again. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. No problem. All right, and moving on to the Philadelphia Flyers game, we have David Quackenboss from Broad Street Buzz. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to review the recent game between the Ducks and the Flyers. Um, the Ducks ended up winning 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, heavily outshot by the Flyers. Um, what are your thoughts um, on the the game? Just briefly on on uh, on the how the game you know turned out. Yeah, I think from a Flyers perspective, it was a pretty typical game. Really, um, when you look through the first two periods, uh, they were pretty pretty well handled uh, five on five, especially the first period. Um, and they've come to rely so much on the power play. Um, that that's really the only reason it was a game going into the third. Uh, they did well in the third period at five on five, and they were able to tie it up. But just kind of from a Flyers perspective, we've seen this over and over again. Uh, the team gets um, outplayed five on five by quite a bit. Um, they rely on the power play and hopefully goaltending, which lately has been decent, not great, but decent. Um, so it's kind of the same old story. Uh, we've got a lot of, the, the slow defensemen, you know, guys like Nick Schultz and Andrew McDonald who are out there, um, along with Nicholas Grossman, Luke Shen, those guys just, they're just slow um, and not great positionally either. So you really saw it on that third Ducks goal, how they just, they just kind of tore the defense apart. Um, and it was, it was just all too familiar to Flyers fans, really. Yeah, and and we saw the Ducks jump out to a, to an early lead with um, some an uninspected goal from the fourth line and Tim Jackman getting a, a rebound from uh, from the bottom of the circle, um, and then we saw uh, Devonte Smith Pelly get a, a little bit of a tip in. Uh, so the first period, you know, they seemed to go the Ducks' way. Um, the Ducks outshot the Flyers fif- uh, 15 to 11. Um, but when we moved on into to the second period, that's where with what you're talking about, the the power play kind of clicked for the. Uh, the Flyers and and Strait and, and and Simmons continued his hot streak to the season, mm-hmm. got his fifth goal of the season, um and you know a trend that's kind of been um you know out there for the Ducks this season is we got heavily outshot in the second period, uh, Flyers outshot us uh, 18 to six, um you know speaking of Simmons with his hot start um how do you rate his play this season? Do you think he can you know keep on track uh, till the end of the season? Yeah, I think he's uh, he obviously he's been great for the Flyers, and what's What's kind of different about this year from previous years with Simmons, and it's still early, so things can change, but sort of like I mentioned earlier, he's really getting the job done both at 5-on-5 and on the power play. Uh, Simmons, the past few years, he's had good stats. He's got uh, 29 goals last year. 28 was his the last full season before that. Um, but it's almost, I mean, last year, out of his 29 goals, I want to say 15 of which came on the power play. Um, he's gotten, He's been a power play specialist, and now... This season, he's done well. I mean, uh, two of his five goals have been on the power play. He's still gotten his power play points, but he's getting it done at 5-on-5 as well. So if he can continue that, if he can continue to be 
a really good five-on-five player along with being a power play specialist, then uh, he may be looking to sort of finally top that 30-goal mark and um, just continue to be one of the become really one of the premier power forwards in the league. Yeah, and and to look at the the record for Philadelphia this season, uh, they they started the season 0-2 and 2, so they're yet to win a game. Uh, do you kind of relate this to last season when they started 1 and 7, or, or is this a, a a new look team compared to the team that uh, they put out last season? I think it's it's different. It's definitely a different start from last season. Uh, last season, the Flyers started 1 and 7, but the big issue for them last season was they just could not score. Uh, they didn't score four goal or more than three goals in a game till uh, it was either 12 or 15 games in. I don't know off the top of my head, but this season they're scoring the goals that they're getting the goals just fine, um, but they're not getting quite the goaltending they got at the beginning of last year. Uh, last year, the reason they were able to even win a few games early on because Steve Mason carried a uh, 9.30 save percentage into the second month of the season, the goaltending has been average. Um, they're scoring goals, which is encouraging compared to last year. Um, but I think part of it um, has to do with their schedule. Their schedule at the beginning of October is just brutal. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about that a little bit before this. Uh, you, you, they've got uh, what, the Dallas, Chicago, and, and Pittsburgh coming up for the schedule too. Yeah. So it doesn't look like it's uh, it's going to get any brighter. And, and with uh, some of the guys going out with uh, Vinny going down and, and, and Coburn down as well as Tiemann already out, uh, do you think the, they can win any of these next few games, or do you think it's going to you know, continue to struggle until they get some of these guys back in the lineup? Well, they're, they've got Dallas tomorrow, then they go to Chicago and Pittsburgh, then Detroit, um, Los Angeles, and Tampa Bay to finish out the season. So those are all difficult games. Um, all the reports are that Coburn should be back in the lineup tomorrow, which is a huge boost, um, which... That should tell you enough right there about the state of the Flyers' defense when Braden Coburn, who's who's good, he's definitely a good player, but when losing Braden Coburn is just a devastating blow, uh, you know you've got uh, your defense is in bad shape. Um, without Tiemann without Coburn, um, without these guys, um, Lacavalier, yeah, I wouldn't say losing him is a huge loss. He's sort of been playing less and less of a role on the team. Um, but yeah, without Coburn, who's their best skater on defense, and he's arguably, um, he's arguably their best defenseman, uh, without him, it was a huge loss and losing team in and over the summer was devastating. Um, I think for the rest of the month, uh, there's no game that I point to and think, oh yeah, that they're going to win that one or that should be a good game. Um, the only, the only real, I guess, hope I have that they'll win one of these is just kind of by just pure luck i mean you can't lose what 10 straight right (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh and looking back to the uh the game against the ducks do you think there was any any key reasons um why the you know the flyers ended up losing the game was it something they did wrong or was this simply was it anderson for the ducks was just too good or were you know were the flyers just not able to finish i think i think it kind of goes back to um, the first period, I think they were just really sloppy in the first period. The mantra for the Flyers has been and is was after this game, we got to play for 60 minutes, we got to play for 60 minutes because they are so prone to you know coming out and playing good for one period. I mean, they played really well in the third. Giroux and Voracek were just taking it to the Ducks, but if you only come out for one period, maybe a period and a half, um, 
you just you're not going to be able to do it. I think the Ducks are just a more complete team. Yeah, and and you know we're, I'm looking at some of the uh, the prospects that you've come come up with through the system, and you talked about how the defense isn't strong enough. Um, you know, there's uh, some of the guys coming up for Philly, Samuel Moran, Travis Sanheim. Are, are there any guys out there that that you think are that could make a push to make the team next year and, and make a, a big difference on on Philadelphia's chances? Yeah, I think so. I think um, there's already some calls from the fan base for Shane Gostisbehere to be up already. He's uh, he's a small puck mover. He's something the Flyers. He he has a skill set that really nobody except maybe Mark Streit. Uh, he's got that kind of skill set that really nobody else on the team has right now. But the Flyers have sent him down to the Phantoms to play this year in the AHL. I think he'll definitely push for a roster spot next year. Um, there's Samuel Moran who almost got one this year. Um, with him, it's going to be tricky next year because Hextall, the GM, has been very uh, very clear about the fact that he wants. The Flyers' defense been brought in slowly, developed, so he will most likely want Moran to get some AHL time next year. Uh, but there's also Robert Haig, who was their second-round uh, pick in 2013, who he will also be on the Phantoms this coming year. Um, so both of those guys have potential, I think, to be on the team in the next year or two. So I, I have a feeling this slow blue line, this old slow blue line, is going to hopefully next year begin to transform into – a younger blue line, and as we were talking about before the show, um, I think it'll, in a few years here, start looking a lot like the Ducks. I mean, you guys have uh, Sammy Votnin, who's 23. Flyers fans adore Sammy Votnin. Uh, Hampus Lindholm, who's only 20. Cam Fowler, who's only 22. Um, I think you'll be seeing a similar mix from the Flyers here in a couple of years as they start phasing in some of their young defensemen. Dave, I got a question for you. Do you think that the Flyers, after the uh, slow start that they had, do you think that uh, they'll still a playoff team, or how do you think they're going to match up in their uh, division this season? I think they'll they'll find a way to at least be uh, in in the hunt for a wild card. Um, I think the Penguins in their division, the Islanders uh, in their division, and and the uh, Blue Jackets, actually, I think those three teams will definitely be uh, ahead of the Flyers. I think they'll be battling it out with teams like New Jersey. New Jersey started pretty hot. I think they'll be battling it out with New Jersey, Washington, and these other teams for a wild card. Um, unfortunately, uh, my personal opinion is they'll probably come up a little short, um, which is is has become already a big debate amongst Flyers fans. You know, some think we're we're going to be getting a top five overall pick. I'm not I'm not sure we're going to be quite that bad. I think they'll be. Similar to where they were in um, the lockout shortened season. Um, they ended up with, I believe, the 11th overall pick that year. They were about four points out of the playoffs. Um, I think they'll be below average this season, uh, but they'll be in the mix for a playoff spot once, they're, once their schedule gets a little easier. Yeah, and, and you know, if you look at last season, uh, you look at the Rangers, they barely made the playoffs and they went all the way. So there's still, you know, no reason not to count out the Flyers for not only making the playoffs, but even going at least the second round, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. If you get into the playoffs, you're, um, you, you know, everybody's got an equal shot at that point. Um, I just, I just, I think there's so many questions on the blue line because they already had a, a not a great blue line last season. Um, and with the loss of Tiemann, who was their best defenseman, and um, with potential injury, you know, Coburn's been out a few games. If Coburn or Mark Streit is out for too long, I think uh, their blue line just won't be good enough. But, you know, who knows? And trades happen. All sorts of things happen. So 
But what do you think about uh, your guys' goalie situation? Do you see a particular one uh, coming out for the season for you guys, or do you think it's going to be more of a you know a sharing of the duties? How do you look at the goalie spots? Yeah, well, going into last season, it was supposed to be sort of shared duties between Steve Mason and Ray Emery, and Mason mm-hmm. really just took the job from Emery. He started out the season in the first month. Uh, he had around a 9.30 save percentage. I mean, he he was looking solid and. He was unquestionably the number one guy last year. Um, but because of all his struggles in Columbus, there's still a lot of doubt as to what he can really do. Uh, I think Mason is, for right now, he's the number one guy. He's going to get most of the heavy starts. Um, but he hasn't looked quite as sharp as he did last year. So he needs to, you know, he kind of needs to pick it up. Uh, the first goal against the Ducks in that game, his rebound control was pretty pretty bad and that led to the goal by Jackman I think and uh, so right now Mason is the starter I think he'll continue to be the starter um, but he definitely needs to um, sharpen up a little bit so the goalie situation is interesting as well because the Ducks uh, Gibson's only 20 years old right or 21 he's real young isn't he yeah yeah he's correct yeah cause that's correct yeah yeah because the Flyers have a young goalie uh, Stolarz he's only 20 but he's playing down the Phantoms and um, there are already people pegging him as sort of the goalie of the future. If, if uh, Mason and Emery don't work out this year and the next year, um, Stolarz may be getting called up to be our guy. He's he's a high pr- top prospect, our top goalie prospect right now. Yeah, and, and I've had a, a actually a, a you know a more closer look at Ed Stolarz than a lot of people. Um, I actually live in London, Ontario, so I've seen. Uh, oh. I've seen Stolarz play for the Knights uh, a fair amount, and and yeah, he's looked like a, a pretty good goalie. I think uh, he ended up losing his his starting job here, unfortunately, uh, you know, to um to one of the to the backup goalies. But uh, um, he looked like at times that he could be a really good prospect, and I know that um, um the Flyers organization is definitely high on him, and I think um you know with Emery being a little bit older and and Steve Mason, you know, having a great season last year, but you know. You know, arguably inconsistent at times, so uh, Stolarz might be you know, a fresh face that they can add to their roster next year to uh, provide a spark. Definitely, definitely. They, the thing with the Flyers right now, the, the mantra around the organization amongst the fan base is just patience, patience, patience. Uh, because the, the, the Flyers are notorious for going for the Cup every year, sign the big free agent, make the big trade, do what you got to do to get the guy um anaheim knows that all too well with our trade for pronger a few years back um but the flyers just have that reputation as being the team that always wants to win and uh when ron hextall came in this summer he told everyone you know pump the brakes we've got a lot of good prospects coming in the system but we're not going to rush them like we have in the past we're going to build this team from within it's going to take time um but we're going to be patient and we're going to wait on our players to develop and so I'm on board. I think a lot of Flyers fans are on board, but that just means this season, possibly next season, may not be quite what we're used to, where we see the Flyers, um, you know, as a bona fide playoff team, a contender. They may just have to take a few years and not necessarily tank, not necessarily be uh, one of the worst teams in the league, but just a definite step down from where they've been so that they can build back up to hopefully having a contending team. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, David, thanks for join, uh, joining us on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, you know, the Flyers can uh, pick it up from here and, and yeah. you know, make a push for the playoffs. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks to David for coming on and uh, discussing the Flyers game with us. Uh, 
we're going to have our take a little bit on the Flyers game right now. Um, Mike, how do you think the game went uh, as, a, as a whole for the Ducks? You know, Eddie, I, I thought the beginning was really, really good for the Ducks. I mean, you had uh, Tim Jackman, uh, you know, our all-star scorer, come out and uh, <laughs> blow one up early on for the Ducks there, you know. Uh, so that was uh, good to see some uh, secondary, uh, you know, scoring. And then uh, DSP following that right up, uh, you know, four minutes after it. I thought the first period, uh, the Ducks played phenomenal, you know. The, they came out, attacked, sustained pressure, uh, built that 2 nothing lead. Um, and then it just uh, flip-flopped. The second period, we um, took too many penalties, you know, gave up two power play goals, one to their leading scorer, Simmons. Um, it looked like the tide was really turned, and the Ducks uh, just could not get out of their own end, um, taking some lazy penalties. And uh, I think they came out fortunate when uh, Bolesky scored that goal in the final uh, 17 seconds to kind of give the Ducks a boost. Um you know, and I, th- I thought we played a little bit better in the third, but, you know, Philly still tied it up, and we, we went to the shootout, and I think, uh, or overtime and then the shootout, and I think uh, Anderson saved the day for us, really, um, in the entire game, overtime and uh, shootout, Eddie. Yeah, and we, we started the first period so strong, too. We, you know, we we outshot them, not not a little by a lot. Um, Tim Jackman getting first of his 50 goals in the season. DSP uh, <laughs> scoring one his first of the season. Um, and then, you know, what what kind of happened is what's happened in the rest of the games up to this point uh, is we got outshot in the second period uh, by a lot, 18-6, to six, in fact. And uh, the Flyers jumped on us late. Um, luckily, Bolesky, you know, saved us in the, in, in the last, uh, you know, bit of the period. And, and we took the lead into the uh, to the third. Um, but, yeah, the, the second period was, was you know, was I, I don't, I'm trying to put words to it, but it was just terrible, really, you know. Uh, getting out of shot 18 to six, um, and, and you know spared by by Bileski. and you know the third period wasn't much better. We were still out shot. Uh, Voracek ended up scoring. Uh, he kind of just walked out in front and shoveled a backhander in the top corner. Uh, so there wasn't much we could do on that one, or, or at least Anderson could do on that one. Um, and then OT out shot two nothing. It wasn't really an eventful overtime. Um, and then Carlson ends up getting the shootout winner. So yeah, we we kind of scraped away with a win, but it's a win. It's two points. Um, I'll take it any day. Oh yeah, definitely, Eddie. I mean, whether it's two points in regulation or two points in uh, overtime or shootout, you know, we'll take it. And uh, you know, Wild Bill's making a name for himself. I mean, two goals in uh, the last game against Buffalo, and then the game winner here. So. You know, he's going to be, uh, like we talked about, uh, re- recapping the Buffalo game, he's going to be a force uh, down down the stretch here. And uh, scoring 30 or 40 points this season, I think, isn't unrealistic for him. Yeah, and it'll be nice to, to see somebody do that. We, we all thought it was going to be Raquel. Um, and then, and then you know, he didn't really start that strong. And, and Carlson comes out, and, you know, even when not scoring in his first game, he still made a statement. And then, obviously, getting two against Buffalo. And, and he was rated first out of the game. Um, I really don't know how. I, I like. I get he got the shootout winner, and he played a good game overall. It was a plus one with two shots. Um, but you know, I, I, at least even with the loss, I still think Wayne Simmons probably deserved first star. Uh, but it's good for him. Uh, he's leading those uh, the uh, three stars ranking for the Ducks this year. He's beating <laughs> Getzlaff, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna end up finishing in the lead, but. Yeah, I'm excited to see how he does, and, and it'll be nice to see uh, actually have we got three quality centers we're going to run with, or four quality centers we're going to run with 
uh, for the season, which will, will, will be a great, you know, kind of new, refreshing thing to see. Yeah, I think that's the strength of the Ducks, like you said, right now, is all the centers. I mean, we've even played with five centers, you know, with uh, either Thompson or Raquel on that fourth line together. Um, and now you got Carlson in the mix, too. So, uh, you know, I like the depth that we have at that position. So I think it's going to work out just great. Um, you know, we didn't uh, it didn't come really through on this game in the power play. Um, you know, we were 0 for 2, so not not too disappointing. I mean, we only had two opportunities, but you know, I still like to see us try to get at least one power play goal a game uh, with uh, Kessler and Gesloff on that uh, first unit. Yeah, and I think we'll see it. We'll see it come um, when we move on to the Minnesota game. We'll talk more about about the power play and and some of the struggles it's having right now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, it's gonna with the quality guys we have on that power play. Um, I think it will come, and maybe adding like a new fresh face to it. We we've kind of moved Maroon in there, uh, Belaski. You know, we need, you know, maybe Heatley's the guy to come in and change it up. Maybe you know, Edom, somebody, DSP. You know, maybe when Maroon comes back, uh, we solidify you know a, a five man power play, and and you know, the revolving door on left wing gets kind of fixed. Yeah, that, exactly. Once once we can figure that out, because uh, like you mentioned, you know, Palmieri's out too. Uh, you know, we found out that Allen's out. So, I mean, there's a few things that still got to get ironed out a little bit, but uh, I think we're in a good spot um, going through so far, especially with Anderson, you know. I mean, starting out of the gate, uh, he started out uh, with three straight wins, and then, you know, obviously we'll talk about it. He got the win last night too against uh, the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, and he's looked great so far, you know, four wins. Um, arguably the defense in front of him in some games hasn't been the best, uh, but he's been strong. He, uh, you know, when you, when you win the first four games of the season, you're doing something right. So, um, it, it's great to see, you know, we we're all wondering how goalies were going to be, um, who was going to take the starting job. I think most people probably banked on Anderson and it's, it's worked out. You know, he's won the first four games of the season. Uh, Gibson's going to go down and, and get a stand in the minus for a couple games and come back up and hopefully, you know, be ready to go, but it looks like Anderson's going to be the guy to lead the way for most of the season. Yeah, you know, Eddie, what do you think about Gibson going down for a couple games? I mean, the word on the street is that he said he wanted to go down, get some more time in, some more practice. Do you think that that's a good thing on his part, a self-motivating thing, or you think it was more like maybe uh, Boudreaux suggested to him? What, what's your take? Um, I think I, I saw something saying that um, he wants to go down to get better right. and he wants to, you know, be sharper, um, I think was the term they used. Um, and I think it's a good idea. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's actually a great idea for him. Um, we don't want to throw him in, you know, in an NHL game for him to get sharper because that's not going to work. Uh, you know, send him down to the AHL, get his confidence back, bring him up, you know, maybe two or three games down there. Uh, Anderson will start most of the games. Uh, maybe LaBarba Bar- La gets one start or something. So it's not that big of a deal. And then, and then hopefully he comes back up and and he's got his confidence back and he gets in, you know, his first start after and he's, you know, ready to go and he has a good game because uh, he's definitely him and Anderson and, and you know specifically him. They're, they're, he's our goalie for the future. So. We gotta do our part in developing him and not try and rush him in, and and that's why it's so good that that Anderson started like this. That we don't have to rush Gibson, you know, into that starting role right now. We can kind of groom him into being a number one goalie. 
Yeah, you know, and speaking of that, Eddie, you know, in the uh, moving to the Minnesota game, um, you know, the Ducks started out that game extremely slow. Um, the passing was not there, and they really, really leaned on Anderson in those first two periods, and he came up big with some huge saves. Um, you know, he gave up the one goal, but, I mean, it, we, the Ducks could have been down two or three easily through those first two periods uh, in the home opener against the Wild. Yeah, and it, it wasn't a lopsided period, but um, when you look at some of the chances that came Minnesota's way, uh, we were extremely lucky in some cases. I, I believe it was Palmonville at one point. He had a, an open net, and it kind of bounced over his stick, and, and then he couldn't get control of it. Um, There's a lot of times where Minnesota was passing it around, and, and they'd have a guy open back door, and, it, and the puck just kind of bounced away from him, or, or he couldn't handle it. So there's a lot of times where... Um, they could have got a one-timer on net. I believe one time Anderson dove across the net, and then that was when Palmerville had to jump over his stick. Um, and it, it was basically an empty net. So yeah, we get, we kind of caught a break sometimes. Um, but that's how the season's kind of been so far. We we've kind of scraped through. Uh, um, you know, it's not it's not the best way to win a game, but you know, like I said before, you know, you're getting the two points, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean you're right, Eddie. That's that's true. You know the uh, the last night the natives were getting restless at the game. I'll tell you that much. They were they were getting uh, uptight, especially that second period, just because it, it just for some reason seemed like that puck was just not sitting well for the Ducks. I mean, like you mentioned, it happened to Minnesota a couple times, but for the Ducks it was like they would make one pass and then two passes, and then it would either be a turnover, or go off their stick, or it just something would go wrong. Um, you know, I was glad to see uh, Andrew Cogliano, you know, come through. You know, a lot of people call him Iron Man. I started calling him Mr. Shorthanded uh, after last night because he's just had so many shorthanded goals. I don't know what it is with Andrew, but when he plays, you know, with four guys shorthanded, I, I don't know if he just turns on the Jets more as five on five. But, I mean, there's just times where he blows by the defense like he did last night with that beautiful backhand right over the glove into the net. I mean, um, that was the turning point in the game for me, Eddie. The Honda Center went nuts. Everybody was going crazy. And it, uh, uh, it just seemed like the momentum from that point on went all the Ducks' way. Yeah, and, and it, it's because he has so much more open ice. And he's such a quick player that when, when those guys get – open ice that there's they, they just see so many more chances arise for them and we've seen it a lot with cogs over the years um and he's he's grabbed i believe nine shorthanded goals over his career and and that's like attested to him to his how fast he is and and his you know his his awareness on, on the penalty kill yeah i mean andrew's one of my favorites and i'm glad that we got him you know um, i'm hoping that he can score 20 goals again this year um and just keep doing it. I mean, I love, I, I just love seeing him shorthanded because you just know that he, he's either going to get a chance or he's going to definitely provide some um, counter attack that uh, the other teams are going to have to be wary of, like the uh, the Minnesota Wild learned last night. Because uh, you know, up until that point, uh, the Wild hadn't given up a goal in um, eight plus periods. Yeah, and you know, we weren't really helping ourselves with the power play either. You're speaking of um, how the the puck wasn't really settling down, and and you watched it. We couldn't enter the zone cleanly. We didn't really set up any kind of cycle. Uh, the power play was pretty much a mess tonight, which which is disappointing to see after how well we started in the first few games, um, and now going 0 for 4 tonight, it, it, or last night. It, it's kind of you know worrying. You know we got such a, a quality like five guys to put out there and, and you know they sometimes get some chances going 
Um, but when that's when that second unit rolls out, it, it kind of just dies off completely. There's no chances entering the zone. It is is even more sloppy than it was on the first line. Uh, so it's it's definitely something we can work on, and and we all hoped was uh, remedied. But it looks like it, it there's still some problems there. Yeah, I agree. I need to, <clears throat> I'm hoping that they pick it up on Sunday against the Blues. Um, I think there might be some, you know, maybe it'll be some changes. Uh, you know, one of the good things I really, really liked was uh, Boudreaux in the third period. He changed the lines up. He um, put DSP on the top line with the Twins, and then he put back uh, Kessler with uh, Cogliano and Silverberg. And I think moving the lines around, to me, the third period, the Ducks definitely did, uh, you know, much better as far as uh, creating chances. I mean, we were still outshot in the period, but it just seemed like we were able to control the puck more and at least get some forecheck going in that third period. Yeah, and that forecheck showed in, in uh, Perry's goal, um, you know, forcing a giveaway. And um, when he didn't score on that first shot, um, Thompson made a great play and chopped the puck to him at the back post and he ended up, you know, getting the game winner. So, um, it, it, it's nice to see, you know, when, when we're down, Bujo's going to uh, switch up the lines and, and it works well this game. And, and it's great to see Perry get off to such a hot start. He's got five and five now. So it looks like he's, he's going to hopefully going, you know, for another 50 goal season and, uh, Anderson with a great game as well. So, um, it, I, we, I'm definitely hoping to, to see this kind of performance at least, um, in, you know, the gritty sense in, in moving into St. Louis. All right, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Minnesota Wild and Ducks game. We have on uh, Alex, who's a blogger that uh, covers the Minnesota Wild. And uh, Alex, uh, what were your thoughts on the game? It looked like uh, you guys had us uh, for the first 40 minutes, and, and then we were able to come out and win it in the third. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the Wild did uh, did very well through 40 minutes, uh, controlling as much of the play as they could. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to maintain the zone a lot. They had a couple early power plays that were absolutely terrible uh, and looked like the power plays of old for Minnesota. Uh, but I think what ultimately got us is uh, trying to match up speed with speed with a really fast Anaheim Duck squad. Uh, Minnesota's made some roster changes to put on more skill lines, but has sacrificed some of that grit. Uh, and Anaheim is in a position with guys like Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry that are big guys that also can score and are also really fast to kind of those triple threat players, which uh, Minnesota lacks quite a bit, uh, especially on the back end. Yeah. You talk about triple threat and I, you know, the name that comes to mind for us is Andrew Cogliano, you know, he scored 20 goals for us last year and uh, he's been able to do it even strength power play and uh, really uh, shorthanded. And uh, I have to tell you, going into that game, I think until he scored that that goal, you guys had it. And I think that that uh, shorthanded goal was the turning point for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I really like uh, Andrew Cogliano. I think he's going to be a fantasy hockey addition for me. Uh, uh, Minnesota hasn't been as good on the power play now as they were in the preseason. I, I think we can get to that in a moment. But uh, just as a power play is going to expire, Jason Pominville uh, coughs up a puck at the point, and uh, Cogliano's off to the races. Ryan Suter was on his tail but never quite got to him and probably would have uh, ended up resulting in a penalty shot if he did. Uh, and Cogliano, what a beautiful backhander, ending uh, Kemper's now wild record shutout streak at a little over 164 minutes. Yeah, you know, I had mentioned that in our game uh, preview that I had, I had written up on our blog, and I had told our fans that this game was going to be a tough game. I mean, you guys started out, uh, I mean, I know it was the Avalanche both games, but still you started out 5 nothing and 3 nothing and two shutouts. I mean, uh, what a good start for the Wild. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think almost all of that uh, can go onto uh, the shoulders of Darcy Kemper, our, uh, our young netminder. Although I think the Avalanche have been uh, flat-footed and uh, their possession stats are finally catching up to them. But you look at Darcy Kemper, you look like a guy uh, like Frederick Anderson. Both came into the season kind of vying for a number one or a 1A spot. Very similar pedigrees are the same age. Uh, they have about the same NHL experience, same build. Both came from good goalie programs. Uh, but I can't say enough about Kemper. I mean, he played absolutely out of his mind and had uh, a save of the year uh, bid in the, the second period, reaching across the crease with his big goalie stick. Uh, I don't remember quite who it was against. I should have done better homework. But yeah, I think Kemper has, uh, has saved our bacon more than once. Oh, yeah, that play, um, that paddle save, I remember putting something out on Twitter, and I had a Minnesota fan uh, that follows me that was saying, you know, yeah, you know, uh, that I made a comment about his play. And I go, yeah, I go, we cover the Ducks, obviously, but, you know, when we see a good play, we see a good play. And that that was a huge save at that point in the game because, um, you know, that kept the, the lead for you guys uh, one nothing going into the third period. Yeah, and, you know, and then we come into the third period, and, and we know what the Ducks have. You're talking about the reigning Pacific Division champions and a fast team with a coach that doesn't like to lose. I don't think there's any coach that likes to lose, but I think there's some that totally understand. Uh, and uh, it, to come out and make the adjustments that they made in the third period and hold the Wild in the zone for these just excessive amounts of time, uh, it, it was just great play by the Ducks. I, I can't commend that enough. You know, I think a lot of it has to go to Boudreaux, too, as you mentioned, because uh, he didn't stick with the lines. He changed up all four lines in the third period. And it was a, a big notice, especially, you know, that turnover uh, that the Ducks created with uh, Perry and Nate Thompson coming down and getting that uh, two-on-one goal to take the lead. Yeah, so you talk about kind of cosmic irony. Um, after stuck in the zone for two or three minutes for the wild you know they're tired they're trying to get a change jason zucker who is a anaheim area native from newport beach uh and matt dumba who's a rookie with uh, all of 15 games of regular season nhl experience uh this was a 16th game trying to come across the blue line uh zucker gets tied up and uh drops a pass off to dumba uh dumba fobbles it and, and Corey perry and nate thompson did an absolutely spectacular job uh, Perry's uh, first shot was uh, was controlled by Kemper, but he couldn't get a hold of the rebound, and he kind of bit to that left side and, and left the uh, the right half of the net open, and Corey Perry slams it home. Yeah, I mean that was that was a huge huge play. I think once once we got that lead, we were able then to. Sh I mean, I know you guys made that push at the end, but I think for the rest of the way. We were able, like you said, to just try to keep you guys hemmed in your own zone and, and put more of the forecheck uh, on you guys. Yeah, and to try and pull the goalie repeatedly from about the 17th minute all the way to the 20, 20th minute with absolutely no success just speaks to how well Anaheim played and, and how much they put the brakes on anything. Uh, and, and then to talk about our power play briefly, if you, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Going 0 for 9 into the regular season is something that really is starting to kind of concern me. And, and you can almost call it a negative 1 for 9, giving up a short-handed goal. That's true. Um, but throughout the preseason, they looked great. Uh, we went into Winnipeg and, and took three of our four power plays for goals. We've added Andrew Brunette, who's a, a NHL veteran, kind of a journeyman, just as a special teams coach. 
And we've seen that pay off a lot on a PK that was already good uh, with our penalty kill really limiting shots last night. But our power play looked like the power play of old. I think I maybe saw six or seven total shots on, on several attempts. And that's just something that can't happen, especially in the Western Conference. Yeah, you know, going forward, do you think that's probably the major concern with your team? I mean, it seems like the Wild uh, are making good passes. They're getting the forecheck. Obviously, your goaltending is, is very good. you think that's probably the number one uh, item that uh, you guys should address going forward? Uh, probably. Uh, I think that uh, Yo did some shuffling that ended up with Koivu on the, the, the first unit a couple of times. Uh, Koivu's a great playmaker. But, uh, you know, we've got Vanek and Pominville separated. They've got a lot of chemistry. Uh, but we've also played, you know, it, it's tough to say. We've played some great teams. Uh, I'm a little concerned about our, our rookie defensive pairing right now is probably one of my biggest ones, especially in trying to limit the minutes for Ryan Suter uh, because Suter's, you know, is, is a total minute hound, and we don't want to lose him to injury uh, it would be my bigger worry. Yeah, and, uh, and with Vanek so far, um, are you a little worried that he's, you know, three or four games into the season and, and then he still has, he's only got one assist and he hasn't put in, uh, anything in the back of the net? Yeah, I think we're going to hear about it from Canadians fans with a lot of I told you so's if he doesn't get to the back of the net <laughs> soon. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's early. He's still trying to learn the system. He's playing on a line now uh, with Justin Fontaine, who's in his sophomore season, Miko Koivu, who's been with the Wild his whole career. Both understand the system very well. Uh, Fontaine played a lot in Houston uh, and really learned the wild system under Mike Yo before he became the head coach in, in Minnesota. Um, so I, I, I wonder if part of it's learning the system, part of it's finding some second-line chemistry. I also really wouldn't be surprised to see either Nino Niederreiter or Charlie Coyle slot up onto that second line. Uh, Niederreiter had a, a heck of a season for us last year and I think is poised to be a 30 or 40 goal scorer if he can get with the right group of guys. Yeah, and, and it, like looking at the shot so far, obviously Parise has been, uh, you know, the main guy shooting the puck right now. He's, you know, 21 shots, and it's shown he's got four points. Uh, but, yeah, with with Niederreiter and Vanek, they're, they're the only other guys sitting over 10. So it looks like, you know, if Niederreiter and Vanek can, can get firing on all cylinders, then you guys, uh, that, that power play situation might be fixed. Yeah, absolutely. And Niederreiter's been moved to the PK uh, unit and does not spend much time on the power play. Uh, but absolutely, I, I think that, you know, Vanek is, is a concern going forward. But if we're still talking about this the next time uh, Minnesota comes to town, then I think I'd be more worried um, and probably wonder where that $19.5 million actually went. <laughs> So um, by the end of the season, you know, based off what you've seen already, it's only a small sample size. Uh, where, where do you think you know Minnesota finishes? You think they, they make a push for the playoffs? I think so. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, but but based on what's going on, especially with Parisi and and Granlund and Pominville, I mean, like you said, Parisi's got 21 shots, uh, including 10 in the the second game against Colorado, which is a personal record for him. If that line can keep cycling, uh, I think we're going to have a, a pretty good time in the, the central division, which looks uh, even stronger, especially with, uh, with Dallas adding Jason Spez, although that hasn't materialized a ton yet. And uh, Pekka Rin being uh, healthy for a full season in Nashville, all of the teams in the central division and most of the teams in the Pacific division, with the exception of a couple from Alberta are looking pretty good. Uh, so I hope so. I, I imagine if we do, we're going to go in as a number six or a number seven seed. 
Uh, and uh, I think our biggest threat this year is going to be uh, uh, Anaheim and St. Louis. Uh, we usually play pretty well against Chicago, but St. Louis uh, tends to leave us uh, broken and bruised by the end of the game. So we'll see. Uh, when uh, when Harding comes back, do you, do you expect any kind of like do you, do you expect him to slot in, or do you think Kemper so far has done enough to you know solidify that number one role? I think Kemper's done more than enough. Uh, I think if anything, if Harding comes back to his uh, less than one goals against average save percentage in the 950s form and can stay healthy, MS is a, is a terrible disease, and, and we certainly hope he can stay healthy. I think, uh, excuse me, if anything, uh, Harding slides into a number two spot if Kemper's hand stays hot, which I imagine it does. Um and uh, Backstrom spends a lot of time in the press box earning $3.5 million in a suit. All right, well, Alex, thanks for coming on to the uh, podcast with us and reviewing the game, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to have you on uh, next time the Ducks play uh, the Wild. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for your time, and go Wild. All right, and we've uh, got some uh, injury news uh, updates as well for the Ducks on Allen, Heatley, uh, Palmieri, and Maroon. Uh, What's going on with these guys, Eddie? Um, well, for Maroon, it just came out. Uh, he's out four weeks with uh, with looks like a knee sprain, uh, which is definitely bad news for the top line. Looks like Bolesky is going to be there for, or at least until Heatley gets back. And and you know, speaking of Heatley, he's um, recently an article came out saying he's out for at least two more games. Uh, he could be back after that, so that'll be great to see. Maybe back by Columbus, hopefully. If not, uh, uh, maybe San Jose. Um, Paul Mary looks like he's really close to being back. Uh, it says he's day to day with a high ankle sprain. Um, I, I it there's not a lot of news out on Paul Mary, which is which is kind of weird. But um, it, all I found is he's day to day, which which can be a good sign. And then Allen is is recent, and there hasn't been much on him. Uh, it's it's a lower body injury, and he's on the IR. Um, it doesn't sound great, um, which is not too big of a deal for, for us playing him. But if we're thinking of trading him, it looks like that's going to be sidelined for a bit. Yeah, it looks like uh, for the Ducks right now, we mentioned this earlier, that we're good to go at the center position and very healthy. But, you know, at the winger spot, uh, a little bit banged up, you know, with uh, Heatley, Palmieri, and Maroon out. I mean, that's, you know, that's three significant guys that we talked about uh, earlier before the season, um, scoring you know lots of points, Eddie. Yeah, and I really wanted to see how Healy was going to slot in on that first line. Um, obviously, when he gets back, that's where he's going to go, and and Bileski's going to move around a bit again. And because um, Maroon is out for four weeks, so at least that will mean Healy is going to get some um, you know guaranteed time on that line. And uh, I do want to see Palmieri back too. I think it's Jackman who probably, you know, who ends up getting the boot if uh, when Palmieri's healthy. Um, which, you know, it, it makes sense if we're going to take somebody like Jackman out and put Palmieri but, but in. Eddie, that, but Eddie, he scored in Philly. Nobody's <laughs> goal score. Yeah, oh, I know. I, but uh, I don't think they want to drop a guy like Edom and, yeah. and, um, and or Devontae Smith Pally. So I think. Um, Paul Mary probably I, I don't exactly know what line they're gonna wanna wanna put him on. Uh Bujo will will, you know, throw a, a bunch of options out there and and we'll see when he comes back. I think Paul Mary's probably the closest, uh, then Healy and then um I have no idea how long Allen's out for or what kind of injury it is other than lower body. And then Maroon's out for four weeks. So that that's uh you know, that's basically what we have for the injury update. Um 
the the most concrete news is, is the maroon and and Heatley situation. So um, hopefully we'll see all our guys back healthy uh, within you know the next few days and and then wait on maroon. Yeah, and you know I think a good point to make about all this too, Eddie, is despite these injuries, which obviously we didn't anticipate, and of course nobody anticipates. But I mean, you got to look at the Ducks, and um, you know we've had some crazy games, but you know we're coming through even without some key people. Yeah, and you know even with that, we there's a lot of rumors around uh, surrounding our team, specifically on defense. Uh, we've been linked with every possible defenseman that's available in the league. Uh, yes. We've been linked with Tyler Myers, uh, Jakob Kindle, Jeff Petrie from the Oilers, uh, Dennis Weidman from Calgary, Brewer from Tampa. So we've been linked with you know everybody that's been on the market. I, I think all of those guys would, would not really add a lot. Maybe Myers if he got back to his, his form, but I've heard the price for at least at the draft last uh, or you know earlier this year, they're asking Detroit for, for Mantha. So I that and, and more. So that price is a little high, and if that's the price they're at, I can only imagine what they're asking for from us. Um, so I think right now we're good. There's no need to panic this early in the season. Um, we've, we're four and one. You know, obviously there's some defensive issues out there, uh, but there's no need to go out and pick up a guy right now, and, and especially for the price that you know that's rumored to be out there. And uh, we've also surprisingly been linked with uh, Martin Brodeur. I have no idea why. Um, but I, I don't see anything behind that one other than the fact that Broder has come out and said he wants to be on a winning team and the Ducks are a winning team. So not, not much solid journalism behind that one. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about bringing in Marty Broder. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Broder would come in. I mean, even with Gibson going down for a little bit, I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, he's a great goaltender and he'd be a great mentor, but I just don't see how he would fit in for the Ducks uh in there and, and like you said Myers is probably the one um on Buffalo that I would lean towards the most if the Ducks are going to try and do something but the asking price is just way way too high from what I've heard too as well so I, I just don't think uh the Ducks are going to do anything right now that defense I think it's not the best right now for the Ducks but it's gotten better from you know the Pittsburgh game uh initially Eddie yeah and and it, it will continue to work itself out um, there wasn't many, you know, defensive issues last night. Really, they they looked strong. We just we offensively we couldn't get anything going until the third period. So you know, some people have been uh, you know you know worrying a bit after the Pittsburgh game, which is understandable. And then even after the Flyers game, uh, but you know we got we got to give it time. We're only five games into the season. There's there's a lot of game. Uh, there's a lot of hockey left to be played. Um, if we're still having issues, you know, 20, 30 games in the season, then I can understand if we're, we're talking trades. But right now, I don't think there's any reason to worry. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Eddie, we're uh, five games in, and uh, we're going to be kind of doing something a little bit new on the podcast. We're going to be doing like our three stars of the week um, in addition to, you know, our predictions of how the Ducks will go. Um, and through the first, uh, the, I guess we can say week and a half because we had a couple games in the first week. But uh, who would be your uh, three stars for the Ducks uh, in the opening uh, week and a half? I'd have to say uh, for my third star is, is William Carlson. Uh, I got off to a great, you know, three game. I believe it's three games he's been in, in so far. And he got the two goal game, the shootout winner in one. Uh, he looked you know, pretty good last night. Uh, it's just been a good start for him. Um, he said, yeah, he's my third star for the week. 
I agree with you. I think uh, Wild Bill, as everyone's known to get his nickname, is is is. And we, you know, we mentioned a couple times earlier. He's going to shine through. Um, I think he's definitely earned um, a spot on the team, going with those two goals and the game winner in the shootout. Um, and second for <clears throat> second star that I would put in there was uh, Corey Perry with uh, you know five goals in five games, and he's on track to get uh, fifty goals, Eddie. Yeah, well, actually, he's on track to get 82 right now, but I don't yeah, think that's, that's going to last. True. But, uh, yeah, he's been our top guy so far this season. Obviously, Getzoff has been good, too. Um, but Corey Perry looks to be on his late-season form, the form he usually gets in when he goes on a tear near the end of the season and and gets 50. So um, I hope he continue it up. Uh, obviously, there's always going to be a slump for a player, but we, we'd all love to see Perry get back to 50 goals or – uh, you know, he was close last year with 43. Um, I, I see no reason why he can't get to 50 if he continues this up this year. Yeah, I think Perry is going to continue to do well. I think even if uh, Bleski's on the line for a little while and then when Heatley comes back and then he, even if Maroon's in there, I, I think uh, I think the chemistry is going to be pretty good on that top line. And um, I think he's going to be uh, blowing up the stat sheet all season long. And uh, for our first star uh, of this, you know, it's not a real surprise to all the fans, but you, you have to give it to Anderson. I mean, he not started out. No, yeah, I know. Jackman, man. <laughs> he's our second 50 goal scorer, we're hoping. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we got we got to roll with Anderson. I mean, 4-0 and zero in his first four games um he's come up huge uh you know in all the games he you know he had a probably his toughest one was probably in philly when he had to fight fight uh you know he gave up three goals that game but he ended up coming through in the um overtime and the shootout but uh he came up huge last night against minnesota like you said the um the offense just wasn't going but uh you know he kept the ducks in that game because uh, the wild had a couple chances and he pulled it out. Um, it's kind of a similar game with Detroit, you know, same thing. He kept us in that game, and we pulled it out late too as well. So Anderson is um, – he's here to stay, Eddie. Yeah, and with, you know, when you, anytime you start a season with four wins and, and a .937 save percentage and a 1.71 goals against average, uh, I think you deserve first star of, of, of the week. And he, like you said, he's kept us in a lot of games. He kept us in the, the Philly game. You know, we, we got outshot heavily in that game. Uh, he kept us in the game last night, so you know he he's definitely going to be key uh, to our season, and I think he's going to make many appearances in our our top players of the week. Oh yeah, for sure, he's going to be up there. I think every week, uh, and you know, <clears throat> moving along, uh, Eddie, we got some games coming up this week. We've got the uh, the Blues on Sunday. We've got uh, Buffalo again, and uh, we've got the uh, Blue Jackets. So looking at the Blues, uh, you know, I, I kind of expect this game to kind of be like the wild game. I think it's going to be a tight game. It looks like uh, Brian Elliott's been doing pretty well for the Blues uh, with a 1.3 goals against and uh, 0.94 save percentage. Um, and they haven't been giving up a lot of goals, Eddie, in their first uh, handful of games. Yeah, and, and their recent loss against the Kings, too, was was harsh on them. They played a, a really good game. Uh, but like yeah, they just they just haven't been able to score. Um, I believe they have the the least amount of goals in the NHL right now with six, but they also have the second least amount of goals against with five. Um, so if they can get that offense going and and Brian Elliott uh, keeps playing strong, they could be or they will be a scary team. Uh, I, we I know in our our you know season preview at the beginning of the season, I I, I had them lower because I didn't think Brian Elliott was gonna 
be able to carry them through the whole season. I still don't think he'll be able to keep it up the whole season, but he's obviously started strong, and, and the only reason they're not 3-0 and is because they haven't been able to score any goals. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, and we're just hopefully we're not the one they start scoring goals against. Um, we got to make sure our defense is strong. Uh, Anderson keeps playing well because I'm sure he'll get the start, um, and we, we, we figure out how to, to uh, solve uh, Brian Elliott. Yeah, I mean, I look, you know, we did our predictions before, and we said on that road trip the Ducks would most likely go 3-1, and one, and, and lo and behold, they did end up going 3-1. and one. Um, And I and we uh, I think we both thought Minnesota, we would we would win that game, which we did. Um, you know, looking at these next three games, I think, you know, obviously Buffalo is very winnable. We've discussed that at length earlier, and, and the Blue Jackets, I think, is winnable. But if there's one game that the Ducks lose, this is the one that – not saying you know that they will, but I'm just saying that this is going to be probably the toughest of the three games, Eddie. Yeah, and you know when we get to Columbus, I, I think that's going to definitely be a tough game too. But you know when you look at a team like St. Louis and where they finished last year, and, and some of the players they have on their team, it's hard not to to put them as our main threat this week. And um, I think we just got to come out and like like you had for the keys of the game against Minnesota, even though we didn't score first, I think we got to score first against Minnesota. I mean against St. Louis. We got to put them on the back foot, you know, get in Elliott's head. He's had a great start to the season, and, and we got to get it. We got to get them behind early. So, yeah, I agree. And then uh, after the uh, Blues game on Sunday, we've got Buffalo again, which you know, we've talked, you know, at length about. We've already gone over that. I think the Ducks this time though will probably face uh, Enroth Eddie instead, um, and. You know, like we had mentioned before, they had uh, ramped up their shot total and whatnot playing. I know it was Florida, but, I mean, they played they played better their last couple games. So I think the Ducks will win this one against Buffalo, but I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, I, I mean, I, I think we could definitely win 3-1, to 4-1, to one, whatnot, but I, I don't know if we'll um, blow them out as much as we did in that first game. No, but if we we got to play that same game though. We gotta we gotta come in and and not take them for granted after beating them five to one. And and we gotta just you know don't look at the the standings and play them as any, they're any other team in the league. Um, and and we'll hopefully get the same result. I, I you know Enroth he's a good goalie. Um, he's a, he's obviously you know at least for the as this season goes he's better than Neuvirth. Um, he sometimes he can steal games um, just like any other goalie, but. You know, we we, we, we got to be able to solve them. I don't see any issue winning this game. You know, if we play the same way we played before with the dominant dominant play we played, I was shooting them 44-12. to 12. I don't think it's going to be that heavily, you know, in our favor again. Um, but we should be able to outshoot them. We should be able to outwork them. Um, and I, I think if, if we don't get a win in this game, it will be extremely disappointing. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, we have to not take them lightly, like you said, and and just put the pedal to the metal and knock them out again. Um, and then moving along for the last game on on Friday, uh, we got the uh, Blue Jackets, who you know are stepping up on the offense. You know, um, Johansson's got three goals, uh, Kisnin's got three goals. You've got um, you know Bobrovsky's been doing really well, uh, three and one, two point zero one goals against. So. Um, this one's not going to be a, an easy game either, Eddie. I mean, like you mentioned, this the Blues will be tough, but this is going to be a tough one too. Yeah, and, and the Blue Jackets are, are a big, tough team. Uh, obviously, they're missing Brandon Dubinsky right now, which is which is bad for them. Well, good for us in a way because he, he's a 
he shuts down a lot of centers. He shut down Crosby last year in the in the playoffs, uh, and I'm sure he'd get first line assignments against either Getzloff or, or Kessler. So um, that's going to be a bonus for us. Um, Bobrovsky's been on form uh, this season, which is no surprise. You know, he's a Vesna winning goaltender. I uh, he should he's doing as good as uh, you know he did when he won that when he won the Vesna uh, a couple seasons ago. So. Uh, but you know, they're, they're not a great team. Uh, they're a hard team to play they work hard, but when you look at their team on paper, they're not great, but they've started three and one. So, you know, we, I, I can't criticize them too much. Um, but we, we should be able to come out here and, um, and get a win against, against Columbus. I, I, I don't really see any issue with it. I think we are the better team, uh, but we, we can't take that for granted either. Um, they've had a good start to the season, and, and so have we. So we got to you know continue our run and, and hopefully get a win there as well. All right. Uh, that's all we have time for uh, this week. We're going to continue to have guests and talk about all the, uh, the action on the games and get more people on from other blogs and other uh, fan bases to talk about their perspectives so that way we can give uh, everybody the duck side but also the, uh, the other side as well. And uh, just stay uh, up to date on the updates on the website. More of the uh, game previews and reviews will be on there as well. And we'll keep updating you guys throughout the season. Thanks for joining us. The Anaheim Ducks are the Stanley Cup champions.